0: While Eric Ten Hag has brought a lot of stability and success to Manchester United, he is still in the beginning phases of his project. We are going to look at the weaknesses in this Manchester United team and how Eric Ten Hag wants them to play. We'll also look at the profile of players that are needed in order to play that certain style that Ten Hag wants. We will finish off by looking at players that need to leave Manchester United and the signings that need to be brought in, in order to realise Ten Hag's project. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Behind the Scoreline. In today's episode, we'll be going through what's happening at Manchester United this season, notably their weaknesses and areas of improvement for next season and beyond under Eric Ten Hag. Now, before we start, we need to acknowledge that Eric Ten Hag has done a wonderful job in trying to establish an identity at Manchester United. He wanted some signings and he got some, he didn't get other signings, but We'll get into the signings that really matter. First of all, Casemiro, a signing that really matters. Lisandro Martinez really matters as to how Eric Tenhawk wants to play, particularly starting ball from the back and obviously Casemiro, the best central defensive midfielder in the world. Now, we need to also look at how, how far along the Manchester United project is coming. It's coming really well, but they're missing key components and key players in certain positions, which we are going to discuss. Now, we've spoken about Casemiro and how the acquisition of Casemiro has been very good and actually helped them a lot in their pursuit of the Carabao Cup, which they won. He was fantastic in the final. And obviously in Europe as well, they've been performing really, really well. Now, a signing that Ten Hag has always wanted was De Jong, Frankie De Jong of Barcelona. Mm -hmm. Now, what makes De Jong special is he's one of the few players that are elite at what he does which is playing as a 6-8, slash a deep-lying playmaker. Now, we know that when Eric Ten Hag arrived he wanted De Jong from Barcelona but couldn't get him due to, I don't know, finances and obviously De Jong likes playing for Xavi and Barcelona. So now this led to Ten Hag improvising with signing Christian Eriksen who's been brilliant for Manchester United but He doesn't really fit the profile of the player that Ten Hag wants in that particular position in the double pivot in midfield. It's worth noting again that Ten Hag has been playing in a 4-2-3-1 with Casemiro and uh, Christian Eriksen as his double pivot. Now we need to note as well, I mean, we've watched uh, Christian Eriksen play a lot of football from Spurs, Ajax and obviously with the Denmark national team. Christensen is an eight, that's also a ten, but he like he's very comfortable being a ten. And now you kind of get that he has to cover a lot of ground for him to get into those sweet positions that he likes to get in and to create and of course he can score from long range. And obviously Ken Hagg has done quite a lot to improvise and usually make it work what he wanted to, you know, the the kind of football he wanted, he made it work with Eric He's not a bad player, not by any stretch, and he's actually helped United a lot in going forward and obviously some defense defensive duties as well. But he does not fit the profile of a Yozu Achimich, uh Tony Cruz and obviously Frankie Deo, those deep lying uh, midfielders. You may ask yourself why is it necessary for Ten Hag to get that type of uh, profile in 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 a, in a midfield like especially in a double pill. Now you need to look at Casemiro. Casemiro has been fantastic but he's not someone that can help you take control of a game, you know, especially in, in in situations where you are the better team and you have more position. You know those type of things require control and a player that's able to control the game, the tempo, and good passes, like an ability to spot good passes. Casemiro is not that. He's it's not, it's not really bad as a passer, but we know that he's not elite or world class as a passer. So this is where a Josue image, a tonic Kroos or Fungideon comes in where they're able to play progressive passes, they're able to control the tempo of the game and actually playmake from deep position, hence the name deep-lying playmaker. You can see the effect that this has or the lack of a Fungideon type player has on Manchester United because they have been failing to gain control of, of certain games, especially games against uh, lower teams like they would win and usually be dominant but they struggle a lot in keeping possession and actually controlling the game in all facets from the build-up until the, the the third of the opponent and we saw this in the Newcastle game where Bruno Gomares was all over the midfield like he was all over the pitch and disrupting any type of momentum that Manchester United wanted to build up of course you can say this is because of uh, suspension of Casemiro and the injury to Christian Eriksen but even before then Manchester United had been struggling quite a lot to have like an enormous amount of possession the way Eric Ten Hag wants to because you look at how Ten Hag has changed United starting with the goalkeeper he started playing from the back, which is something that Manchester United has not had in quite a while. I don't even think I've seen them have that type of mentality of starting the ball from the back and play, playing through the opposition press. With that type of mentality, you can see that this is a team that wants to dominate position in all facets of the game. They want to dominate position. They want to control everything from start to the finish, meaning from their 18 years to the 18 years of their opposition. So now they don't have that type of uh, a Man City slash Liverpool type of dominance in controlling the game and for me I, I see Frankie de Jong being a vital cog in that because you can't really expect customers to be taking a large share of I don't know, responsibilities in making sure they keep possession and they control the game. Now Manchester United this uh, failure for them to control the game has led to them losing so many games and you know dropping points particularly in the league against top nine opposition there was a status over ESPN that's Manchester United has lost all away games in the league against top nine opposition they've lost 4-0 to Brentford remember that 6-3 to Manchester City they've lost 1-0 to Fulham They've lost 7-0 to Liverpool, we know that. And obviously, they lost to Newcastle, all away. I think there's a reason why they're kind of losing away games to top opposition is because, I mean, obviously, the crowd is there, the support is there, and also the enthusiasm of the home team is always going to be a factor. So, when you are playing away, and, and as a big team, of course, it's very important that you stifle any form of momentum that the home team gets, by controlling possession, most times it works a lot for teams like liverpool and city and chelsea to a certain extent even though they don't convert but having possession and a large chunk of possession allows you as a team to kind of dictate play make sure that you squeeze the fans out of the game and obviously you don't give them motivation to keep cheering on their team and this plays a factor when you're going to play a team like Brentford, away at Brentford. It's a, it's a difficult fixture because they're going to be loud. They're going to be cheering their players on, motivating them from start to finish. And I see this lack of game control. It kind of plays a factor in them, in United, of course, losing so many home games, and especially in the league, you know. So it's one of the, the things that are, that are prevalent when you try to look at the... A lack of that deep lying, deep lying playmaker playing alongside Casemiro. Now, in a case that Ten Hag does not get a deep lying playmaker in, in 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 the upcoming uh, transfer window, obviously in the off season, I think he might transition to a four three three because he's shown at Isaac's that he can also play in a four three three with Casemiro, very much capable of being a lone pivot. But then this will require. United to now start playing with two free aids. I think it will be Bruno and Christian Eriksen, but I think they still need to sign a quality midfielder, someone with a. I don't know. Bruno Fernandes sorry, now for me. He's become very ambiguous, isn't like you can put him in so many possession, positions. Of course, but then again, if Ten Hag manages to transition to a forward with Casemiro as the lone pivot, just you know, cleaning after the midfield players. I think maybe it might be a, a better solution until they find a the deep-blind playmaker that they want But then again I'm not sure how flexible Ten Hag is Because he's someone that's so consistent in what, they, what he's trying to achieve That I don't really see him change informations in, 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 in the foreseeable future Maybe at least until he gets what he wants from the team Obviously, the biggest problem or one of the biggest problems that anyone cannot uh, shy away from is the striker conundrum at United. They need a striker. Dusan Vlahovic might be on the market. Victor Osimhen, the hottest name out there among strikers. Harry Kane is a name that's constantly being thrown in discussions as far as Manchester United are concerned. Because we know that you can't really depend on what Vekhost as a world-class striker. He's not that, but his work I think is incredible. Anthony Martial has been injured He's proven to be a player that you can rely on on Because of his injury Uh, History So United now need um, A a striker that's able to complement Marcus Rashford Because obviously he's their star player And in any system that Tenag wants to play You can definitely count on Marcus Rashford being one of the main players In implementing that system So I don't really have an Answers to which player Which striker United Should sign but I don't Recommend Victor or Simon Because you have to look at the The other players Within the system you know, Especially Marcus Ashford because most things uh, I wouldn't say is the. Uh, like, the, the, the team revolves around him, I wouldn't say the offense revolves around him, but he's a huge part of that because you, when you unlock him, you're able to unlock other players as well. So, man I don't think he does that, based on his movement, most of the time where he scores his goals and... Like, I don't I don't even think he's a good 1-2 player, he's like, on the ball, he's not really elite in com- combination play. At least not on the level of a hurricane and to a certain extent a Dusan Vlahovic. I don't think he's that but he's a goal poacher, a very good goal poacher. Physically he's strong and in the air, is like he's is, he is, he is amazing in the air. So we're not really going to talk about which striker they should get but I was just pointing out there the potential strikers that they have on the market. If you were to ask me for my money which striker I think Manchester United should get Gonzalo Ramos of Benfica. I don't know about the prices, because Benfica is going crazy with the prices, but Gonzalo Ramos is a player that can play. Like, he can play as a false nine as well when needed, allowing Ashford and probably Sancho or Anthony to also go, like make runs into the final third. And he's very good on the ball. Like, Gonzalo Ramos, I think, fits the d- description of how... Uh, a description of a, a Eric Hag striker. I see I see Gonzalo Ramos actually fitting in well with the system. Now moving forward as well United needs to make a couple of decisions and these decisions of course they will depend on the signings that they that they bring in. I definitely think they need a backup midfielder because we see now without Casemiro Manchester United are a completely different team. I think they can probably get a Amadou Onana type of player, I don't know if Onana is, qualifies to be a, I don't know, a bench player, I don't know, but I'm just showing you that they need quality in midfield for, for Casemiro when he gets injured, I just mentioned all those things. Fred can do that, but he's not a Casemiro. Scott McTominay, I don't think he he should make the cut, I think he should be, uh, he should be sold. Now, going forward... I don't know how this is going to happen, but Eric Hag needs to figure a way out to, to rely less on Marcus Rashford. Because Marcus Rashford right now, there's so much reliance on him that when you plan very well for him, the rest of the Manchester United offense doesn't really click. And they need to de- rely less on creating those spaces behind the defense that Rashford can run into. Because, I mean, everyone catches on. So I think maybe in the off season tenag will find another plan. But I think we are going to have to see less of Manchester United depending on counterattacks for you know provision of goals and definitely Marcus Ashford brilliance. There needs to be less of it or at least there needs to be someone else as well who's a a goal thread in a sense that if teams want to plan for Manchester United they have to plan for Ashford and another player as well. I I, I think J- Jaden Sancho is well positioned to be that player. But I don't know how well he's, he is in his development so that's one issue that we need to look at again because I don't really understand what's going on with him now the final point that I'm going to make for United to actually move to another phase of this implementation of a Ten Hag plan is they need to get a goalkeeper as soon as possible they need to find a really good goalkeeper out there and David Dajea's time at United is, is done, I don't see him playing beyond this season, like, no matter how good he has been this season, how much of a champion he's been for United, he cannot play with his feet. There's a reason why David Dajea is not chosen for the Spanish national team. The Spanish national team would choose Unai, Unai Simon, would choose uh, Sanchez, Robert Sanchez of Brighton, they would choose uh, Raya of Brentford and they would leave David De Gea. I don't even think he's going to the Euros. I don't think he wants to even go to the Euros. I don't think he's considering like he's hoping to go to the Euros because football is evolving for goalkeepers. We see the same with uh, the preference of Kepa Arisa Balaga over Eduard Mendy. So the conundrum now with modern keepers is this. There are keepers that are good shortstoppers. Thibaut Jano Jan O'Black. Edward Mendy and David Dahir, and then there's keepers that are able to play the ball with their feet we saw how Roberto Dezebi is now choosing Jason Steele over Robert Sanchez and we saw Jason Steele provided an assist for Karou Mutoma when Brighton was playing Brentford and obviously such tactical decisions in goalkeepers they, they 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 pay off Pep Guardiola as always was ahead of the curve with choosing Edison. We know Edison as a shortstopper, not really good, but what he offers you as a, like a, a team with his feet is second to none. It's like an additional infield player. So I think uh, Ten Hag will definitely be wanting to move on from David Dacheya and want a new keeper. I think it's very, very, very important. I think it's the most important point in all the points that I've mentioned in this episode. Other than that, Manchester United hopefuls can be very glad that their team is going to progress and Eric Ten Hag for me has performed above expectations. Of course the points tally and you know the race for top four can be demoralizing for the fans but you have to look at the competition that he's facing and by here I mean Ten Hag is facing and Eddie Howe and obviously Spurs will always be a quality team regardless of how or they're useless. I just had to say it but yeah overall I can see the vision that Ten Hag has and it's going to be a process and it requires a few signings and if he gets two signings believe me Manchester United will be back to I don't know their their former standards and they're going to be dominant for a long time I'm not saying they're going to win league titles or titles at all but it's going to be a team that like a team whose fans can be proud of and actually enjoy cheering on for a long time to come. Because Ten Hag is not building for this season or next season. I feel like he's a coach that, he's a project coach and he knows what he's trying to achieve and they are all working towards that vision. So all I can say to Manchester United fans is trust him and trust the process. It's going to work. It's not a cliche. And that brings us to the end of this episode. Cheers. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing or following the podcast on whichever platform you're listening from. And please, tell a friend to tell a friend to listen to Behind the Scoreline. Or better yet, just send them the link to this episode. Thank you.